Jesus, and then he left. He was writing a letter back when Paul was in prison. Whoops, you know, things go off the rails. And Paul wrote, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We read this and think, this is why I didn't want to come to church this morning. Make allowance for each other's faults. I don't really have any interest in giving any allowance to your faults, but in order to be my friend, I, all of my friends have to be incredibly gracious. I just uh, took a little trip, and I spent two intense days with a dear friend of mine. We've been friends for a long time, and the number of times he had to be gracious with me. Well, like I care. That's his worry, not mine, right? He should choose better friends. But I'm all for people making allowances for me. But it's a little challenging to make allowances for other people. Yet, yet for the relationship to work. We talked about in the Lost Art of Friendship series the importance of it. And then last week we talked about betrayal. And now this week is forgiveness. Because if you're going to be close with other people, there's going to be times. Oh, there's going to be times. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. How about everyone we meet offends me? Forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. I was riding with somebody the other day, and it was, uh, it was the hot chick. It was the hot chick. That's who it was. It wasn't just anyone. It was the one. And, you know, some Tucson drunk. It was like 10 in the morning, and they come flying around on the right and then pass going into the other lane. It was just one of those classic two-lane Tucson streets that has 35 miles per hour. And, I don't know, I laughed. And the hot chick said, well, I hope that whoever's sick in the hospital that he's visiting is doing better. Because you try to be gracious. And then you wonder, where are the cops? Do I just shoot out his tires now? I don't, I don't own a gun, but I could get one and just start shooting randomly. It's difficult to be gracious with other people, but we want them to be gracious with us. It's, for, it's difficult to forgive others who offend us. There's a popular word. And Paul's whole point is, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. All right, you got your person in mind? That jerk, got him? Let's talk about this. Let's not talk about this in a churchy way. You got to forgive everybody. Jesus forgave. Jesus called. There were people that openly missed who Jesus was, <laughs> like we would ever do that. Openly missed who Jesus was and would come up and try to trick him, right? Okay, let's see if we can trick the God of the universe. Yeah, it never worked out for him which then made them angry. We had game night last night, and a couple of you competitive people, I saw you walking down the hall, pacing out your frustration. <sighs> there are NFL players less competitive than some of you, and Nertz wasn't going your direction, and so you had to pace it out. But then you, you, you're, you're back. That's the way, way life works. I'm married to one of you, just insanely competitive. The night I was to propose... She's playing her mom and I in this dumb card game, and she knows her mom and I don't care, and we were both beating her. And I had to really think through, is this, I put a lot of work into this proposal. Is this what I want to do in two hours? Yeah, have you seen her? Of course I did, but the fact that she's competitive can be a little tough. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until there is something to forgive. That's what C.S. Lewis wrote. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until. So we're not going to do this in the churchy way, meaning whatever 
Anybody ever does? It's okay. Jesus was a doormat. No. He called him a den of, of vipers, which means nothing until you live in Tucson, Arizona. See, I've seen like five snakes in the last seven days for crying out loud. Why? Why do we live here? It's a, it's a great place, but there are some vipers. There was one out on a bike ride last Monday. It's 140 degrees. He's on black pavement. Move it. What are you doing? You're burning your belly. I don't know. Den of vipers. Do you want to? We don't talk about snakes in a happy way. If you know anyone who talks about snakes in a happy way, you back away. Can I get an amen? So let's not pretend that Jesus was a doormat. He wasn't. So I want to I give you this. So forgiveness means you might still have an ongoing relationship. Forgiveness does not mean there are zero consequences. All right? Well, what was your part? Well, my part is I didn't stab him in the heart. That's what my part was. Whether or not the relationship can continue. So Henry Cloud, Christian psychologist, and he gave us a, a framework I find helpful. Three kinds of people. Wise people, foolish people, evil people. When you, when you have conflict inevitably with someone, the three categories. How do you know if you're talking to a wise person that you want the relationship to continue with? And it's pretty simple. When you talk with them, the conflict is thus. They realize they make their points. Both of you grow closer as a result. When you have conflict with someone and you talk it out and you are closer as a result, that's a wise person. You want to keep them in your life. What we want is for conflict to never happen, and if anything happens, we're going to just write them off. Now, so you go and you talk it out. That's what the Bible says to do, and you end up closer as a result. This is a wise person. Keep him in your life. There will be future conflicts, but that's a wise person. Second category, fools, foolish people. How do you know? You go talk with them, and it's a blame game. It's everybody's fault. Well, you know, the reason is because you did the thing, and, there was the, and I had my foot hurting, and there was, that's a fool. We can all be fools on occasion, but if you have someone in your life that every time there's a problem, you go talk it out, it's never their fault, just stop talking and just go with the consequences. The consequences may be that you don't have as good a relationship as you could have, but you, you maintain some form of relationship. The consequences may be that you don't have a relationship with them anymore. Might be an employee who doesn't get to be employed by you anymore. You're going to free them to go be employed by somebody else might be my mother. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to make a mother-in-law joke, but she's delightful and old. So now we're nice to her. It only took her 23 years. She does not actively seek my destruction, and that's category three. She used to, but she doesn't anymore. Category three is evil people. You got your wise people. You talk it out. You're closer. You got your foolish people. You talk to them, and it's not their fault. It's going to be a limited relationship. Just go with consequences. And then the third category is evil people who are actively seeking your destruction. This hopefully doesn't happen to you with any regularity. But on occasion, I've gotten them, I assume you've gotten them, people who wrote later and said, hey, I actually was actively seeking your destruction. Yeah, I noticed. We're not going to have a close relationship under any circumstance. You got to end, we're not going to have a relationship. If someone is actively trying to tear you or your family down, consequences are you don't get to be in relationship. It doesn't matter who they are. You don't get to have the relationship. An old guy, bit of wisdom from long ago. 
I was uh, sharing some frustration about a, a situation, and one of my old guy friends said, Ted, you got to stop going to McDonald's and expecting grilled salmon. It's like, oh, man, now i got to think. I was just venting. I don't know what that means. I said, I don't think McDonald's has grilled salmon. And he said, oh. So what I, was, what I was frustrated about with this person is I was expecting them to do something they're not capable of. Oh, I get it. Sometimes what we want from another person, they're not capable of delivering. And when we expect them to be that person, we're the ones setting them up for failure. We're being the fool. Let them be who they are. One of the great conversations I had with one of my dear friends recently, big shot kind of a guy, and he was frustrated. And this is what we talked about. It's now on him because he's such a big shot, nobody calls anymore. And so when he needs something, he has to figure out what he needs and then go to that person. He's got all kinds of people that fill all kinds of roles, people doing whatever he needs. But he always has to ask, and that frustrates him a bit. But we talked about, the thing is, nobody can read your mind. And it, isn't it frustrating to figure out what I need right now? Right now, what I, what I need is to be frustrated. That's what I need. But why? In our house, we say, uh, when someone's uh, gone off the rails a bit, do you need a hug? Yes. Always. Just start with a hug. The hot chick knows this. If I'm ever on edge by anything, she just comes over, gives me a big hug, doesn't let go. It's amazing how well that works. <sighs> what were you upset about? Nothing? I don't know. Don't remember. That was 18 seconds ago. No longer remember. Some of you people aren't like that. That's how Jesus made the good ones. Can I get an amen? To just hug it out. But some of you people, that would just put you on edge, and that's fair. You get to be you. Get to be you. But to figure out what it is you're frustrated by, I'm an out loud processor, so I have to say what I'm frustrated about until somebody else say it to me. I'll go, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's what I'm frustrated by. Until one of you people uses your words, I don't even know what I'm frustrated by. Some of you, you just ruminate in your head, and then you announce what you're frustrated by, which is good clarity, but while you're ruminating, you're not even with us. We need each other, and we have to be respectful of the other person. What is it you need? And then you have, to, you, have, you have to have your people in life that you have relationships with. Your spouse can't be everything. Your kids, your parents, your individual friend can't be everything. But you've got some great people in, their in your life who are really good at that thing. Don't go to McDonald's and expect grilled salmon. I would just stop at that first part. But the indoor playhouse, you know, it means something. When our kids were little, we spent some time there. Here's one, your parents. I had great parents. They were New York parents. I have five siblings. I'm the only one wildly impressed with my parents. Did they have different parents? They looked the same. We all shared the same bathroom. I grew up in a, in a New York house from 1865. Uh, five, six kids, two parents, and one bathroom. Tight-knit group. My, my siblings are less gracious towards my parents than I am. But the thing is, I just expected them to be who they were. I've seen, I've met some of your parents. They're lovely, delightful people. I grew up with New York parents. For New York parents, they were incredible. 
they actually lived here in Tucson for a little while. A couple of you fellow oldsters with me met them. My dad, about this point in the sermon, would get up and grab his walker, his old man walker, and head out to the bathroom every Sunday. Coming back in, working the crowd, shaking hands. What are you running for office, old man? Sit down and do the next thing in eight minutes where you blow your big Jewish nose like it's a trumpet. That was always next. I don't know. Could be, could be disappointed in that. Or you just let him be. That's what he's going to do. How do you let people be who they are and be okay with that? Sometimes they have to get out of your life. They're evil. Sometimes they're limited in capacity. And sometimes you work really hard to spend more time with them. Your parents did the best they could, as disappointing as they were, with what they had to work with. They were doing the best they could. You're like, it wasn't much. Well, they might not have had much to work with if you're honest. Your parents did the best they could at the time. So one of the things we need to remember as we're heading into this forgiveness chat about how Jesus forgave is this. The reason a car has a bigger windshield than a rearview mirror is because if we're too bothered about the past, we're not excited enough about what's next and that's on us we go through seasons I've been through seasons where someone just crushed you and you can't even think of tomorrow that needs to be temporary because we want to be so excited about what's coming that we just don't have time we we the reason why we forgive isn't to excuse what the other person did oh no that was real you were a terrible person and I remember but we don't want that weight dragging us behind some of you people go camping for no discernible reason on my part. You drag a camper, right? Drag a camper with you. You don't want that unforgiveness where you're dragging something along. Do it intentionally when you go camping when you get there. I think you'd be pretty excited to have a camper behind you. I wouldn't be, but some of you are. We don't want to do that unintentionally with all the baggage and weight that that you have. The reason why we forgive others the way Jesus forgives us that we're about to go through is because our lives are worth it. We're not excusing that. That was terrible behavior. You should be ashamed of yourself. But I'm not going to ruminate on it every day of my life. I'm going I'm to forgive, do the work to forgive so that I can have joy and I can have a big front windshield and not just focus on that little mirror. All right, got your person in mind? Here we go. How Jesus forgave. There's this crazy verse in the Bible. That's how communion starts. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and broke it. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus, God in sandals, doesn't even get to skip this. So it led to a conversation. That exact night, we call it the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, communion. Jesus was with his friends, his followers the last three years, and he breaks the bread, and it leads to a whole conversation, and Jesus says to Peter, it's about to get weird around here, and you're going to deny you even know me three times. And Peter's offended. He's like, I love you. I would go to prison for you. Jesus said, no, you're going to deny you even know me. Peter's offended. Turns out Jesus was right. Peter was so disappointed in himself. That night, Jesus gets arrested, and he's going around, bouncing around the trials, 
could have used a friend, and Peter was there around the campfire denying he even knew Jesus, and at what point uh, they make eye contact. Jesus is all battered and bloodied, and Peter's like, oh, yeah, I denied I even knew you. And then the rooster crows, which is what Jesus said would happen, and Peter is so crushed, he missed the resurrection. <sighs> That's the thing. If we let this drag us down so much, we, we miss the next good thing, right? Resurrection, that would be the good thing. It's why funerals have some hope to them. It's why our days have hope to them. This isn't all there is? Huh. You don't have to, we were at game night last night. We're walking out to the parking lot. I'm shining flashlights to make sure we don't step on a viper. That's not going to be a heaven thing, right? This is this world. There'll be a whole different one. There's a reason to have hope. It's the resurrection. And Peter missed it. He was just being mopey. So this is how Jesus forgave Peter, and it goes back to the first time Peter met Jesus. Go to a, see a marriage counselor. This is a trick. You go see a, a business counselor. You know, your business partnership isn't going well. They're going to take you back to the first thing you liked about the other person. Well, what did you like about her? Well, she's hot. Anything else? Well, that's the main thing. I think she has a personality. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to that. They'll take you back. What's the first thing? Well, I loved her joy. What about him? I loved he was whatever fill in the blank. That's what the marriage counselor will take you back to so you can remember the humanity and what you liked in the first place. And then you can start to build it back up because all the frustrations have gotten in the way. Rick Warren would remind us that we think of life and relationships as a roller coaster, but it's actually a train track. There's good and bad happening all the time. If we're not careful, we focus on the bad. We focus on the rearview mirror, and we miss the good. So take it back to the beginning. Peter has to forgive Jesus. No, Jesus has to forgive Peter. That I just changed the entire Bible. Started a new church. Jesus had to forgive Peter after the resurrection. Restore the relationship. Is it going to be wise or foolish? Well, most of the time Peter was foolish, but we're going to shoot for wise. So Jesus takes it back to the first time they met. Jesus was a young rabbi given the sermon. Peter was a fisherman with his friends, James and John. They'd been fishing all night, and they hadn't caught anything. Well, the point of catching fish is to eat so you can eat and sell them so you have the money to buy other things so other people can eat. You need the fish. And they, didn't have any, they were professional fisher people, and they hadn't caught anything. And so now it's morning, and they're frustrated, and they're cleaning their nets, and they're going to go home, and they're going to have some breakfast and get some sleep. And, Peter's, and uh, Peter's working away, and he hears this minister guy over there, and, yeah, it must be nice to have a minister job. It is. And at one point, Peter uh, has to give Jesus the boat because there's so many people, and so Peter's got his boat out there and the preacher guy's using it and Peter's working away and then it's over and Jesus said to Peter did you catch any fish no we didn't catch any fish that's why I'm cleaning the net and there's nothing squirming around that's why the boat was available and Jesus said well go back out and let your net back down all right how annoying is this so we go back out and sure enough catches so many fish that the net almost breaks and Peter thinks who is this guy and what Peter says is I'm not worthy and Jesus said, that's true. But you people are the reason I'm here. So leave your nets and follow me. Be a fisher of people, not just a fisherman of fish. 
And they did because it's a rabbi who is doing a miracle and invites you. It's like getting accepted to the prestigious college of your choice. So he left fishing behind and followed Jesus. Now we fast forward. Peter's denied he knows Jesus. Got to reset the relationship. Here's how it happens. Matthew 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John begin the four the books of the New Testament. Here we go. So Peter doesn't know what to do. He missed the resurrection. They saw Jesus. He just saw the empty tomb. Ah, what do you do? So Peter says, well, let's go fishing. That's what we do. That's what we used to do. When you don't know what else to do, do what you do, right? So they went fishing. And it's fishing at night. And they don't catch anything. It happens sometimes, I'm told. Every time I go to a restaurant and order fish, they bring me some. But I'm told, you, I'm told if you go to catch it, sometimes you don't catch anything. So they're frustrated. It's now the morning. They see a guy on shore. And the guy on shore says, hey, friends, did you catch any fish? No, thanks for bringing it up. That really helps. I think most people who go fishing who don't catch any fish really want to talk about that. And Jesus said, well, let your nets down on the other side of the boat. You know, there's that magical line and all the fish live over here. You've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. And so to humor the guy, they put the nets down and they catch 153 fish. Why is that in there? Because when you're a fisherman, you know how many fish you caught. And they're bringing it into the boat and the nets are trying not to tear. And, G and Peter has a little moment of, wait a minute. Guy on shore tell me to fish again and the nets are full. That's Jesus. And Peter... There's this funny thing. Peter's obviously impulsive. We love our friends like this, but love is a choice. And it says he's basically naked, and he jumps in the water and swims to shore. So now all his friends have to bring in not only the boat full of fish, do all the work, but they have to bring him his shirt. Jesus obviously was a hugger. By the way, if you show up at church without a shirt, I, I'll wait before we hug, right? You know what I'm saying? And then this, the whole leave your nets and follow me with James and John, the son of Zebedee, it gets recreated. What about your wife made you fall in love with her the first time? What about your husband made you fall in love with him the first time? What about your business partner made you want to go into business with him? Right? You reset. Yeah, there's some frustrations you have to work through, but let's reset. So... Jesus just reset with Peter. Remember how we first met? Let's do it again. And then verse 10, bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. Give us our daily bread is how Jesus taught us to pray. Then Jesus served them the bread and fish. Jesus was cooking the bread. I don't know that he really did all the work. He may have just gone, right, it's Jesus. But he's serving and that's such an important part of this. I came to serve, not be served, Jesus said. One of the main reasons we get frustrated in life is we feel like we've done our part and the other person didn't. And we can forget that joy comes from acknowledging God gave us something we're good at doing. And the joy comes when we do that thing for other people. Doesn't mean you never stop. No, Jesus walked away from people who needed to be healed and went away to pray and relax. He had his friend Lazarus. They watched football together or chariot races or whatever he did. 
Lazarus wasn't one of the inner circle. He was his football buddy. It's not that you can never stop. We're supposed to Sabbath, but to serve is really, really crucial. One of the great sources of misery in our life is I want my rights respected, and I should focus on my responsibilities. The thing about responsibility is that's where meaning is found. I have a part in this world to play. But if I'm so focused on my rights, then it's up to you to do your part for my rights. And I'm relying on you for my happiness. Anybody else? Oh, that's a recipe for misery, isn't it? But if I'll focus on my part and pay attention to the world around me of who's capable of matching that in a good way, I can have a great life. So Jesus came to serve. Jesus told them how to catch fish and then serve them breakfast. And now we're on to forgiveness. That's the setup, because in order for this to work, you have to have a proper setting. Need to have a conversation? Go out to lunch. Go out to a public setting. Keeps the shouting down, usually. So now they've eaten. Nobody's hangry. They've reset how we met. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, he had a friend John and a dad John. This is dad. Do you love me more than these? Peter was all cocky. I love you more than all these losers. I'm your number one person. And so Jesus said, do you love me more than, not the fish, right, the people in the boat. Do you love me more than these other followers? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Good shepherd, about to go away. What did he just do? Gave him bread and fish. Feed him. Take care of people. People need their daily bread. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Forgive as Jesus forgives. How is Jesus forgiving Peter? First they reset. They ate. This is not a moment for excusing Peter. When the God of the universe and sandals getting beaten to death, he could have used a friend. Peter wasn't there. Jesus is not excusing that, not pretending Peter's betrayal didn't matter. Didn't just punch him on the arm and say, ah, you nut. This one's really crucial. Jesus is addressing this the way Jesus needs it addressed. Maybe you would need Peter to apologize. There's no apology in here. Maybe you would need Peter to apologize. And that's what you would need. Jesus didn't need an apology. What he needed was Peter to get restored and back on mission because Jesus is going away. And he's trying to pass on to Peter to pass on to us the whole reason Jesus was here. Jesus didn't ask, are you sorry? Jesus didn't say, you promise never to do that again. Next time I'm crucified, you promise not to deny me three times? That's not what Peter was asked to do. Peter missed what Jesus was doing. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three. So we're up to two. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Feed, take care of. Here we go. A third time, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, not getting what's going on, is offended. <laughs> He's hurt. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question the third time. 
Well, you denied him three times. What did Jesus need? Didn't need an apology. What Jesus clearly needs is for Peter to be restored and carry on the mission to pass it on to us so that we can pass it on. And with the reason Jesus was here, works. That's what Jesus needed. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. Well, you denied him three times. Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Didn't we already cover that? Well, you got to feed them, then you got to meet the basic needs. Lord, give me my daily bread. And you've got to care for people. You've got to care about people. This life gets miserable if you feel like nobody cares. And you can go through pretty much anything if you feel like you have a couple of key people that care. And then Jesus said, feed them. Well, didn't, I, didn't we start with that? There's a spiritual hunger. We're not going to hear deep spiritual things if we're starving to death. We're not going to hear deep spiritual things if we feel like nobody cares about us. Jesus said, humans do not live on daily bread alone. We need the Bible. We need examples of how to live the life God is calling us. We need a personal relationship with our creator. That's the mission Jesus was here for, and that's the mission he's passing on to Jesus to pass on to us. And that's how Jesus forgave Peter. It was not excused. And Jesus there's no record of Jesus saying, hey, remember how you denied me three times? You said you were going to love me, and I said you were going to deny me three times, and you were offended, and then you did it. Remember that? Remember that? Were you there for that? Do you remember? Jesus didn't need that. Maybe we would. Jesus just reset. How'd we first meet? All right. Now we've eaten. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Did they give you brain damage? I already told you th this is the third time. What did Jesus need? Peter restored him back on track, back on mission with Jesus. And then Jesus says this. This is not great news. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. Yeah, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. If the standard is dressing yourself, yeah, seems pretty basic. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Church history says about 34 years after this, Peter was crucified just like Jesus by the emperor Nero. 1600s, I think there's this famous painting, you can look it up. They're about to boost Peter up. He's not wearing much, and he's going to be crucified upside down. Good news, bad news. You're going to be restored and follow me, Peter, and die just like me. That's what Peter said. That's what Jesus said to Peter. And then Peter follows up by saying, what about that guy? Pointing to John, who wrote this, lived a long time to write this stuff down. So what about that guy? And Jesus said, well, what do you care? Maybe you'll live forever. Well, Peter's like, well, I care. Well, he didn't deny me three times. Verse 19, Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Jesus faced um, death and came out the other side and showed us death isn't all there is. Peter faced death. That was it for Peter, and he didn't deny Jesus. Then Jesus told Peter, follow me, just like the first time Peter met Jesus. Leave your nets and follow me. We love second chances. I need, in order to be in relationship with me, as many of you know, I need second chances. In order to be in relationship with you, you need second chances. Forgiving like Jesus forgave us is not excusing, and it's not denying. If someone is in a relationship and it's worth repairing, you have to address it in a way that works for the two of you. We live in a world of second chances because of this. 
Hopefully the uh, teenagers gave it to you. If, some, if you didn't get a communion cup and you want one, would you raise your hand? All right, we got Dan. All right, anybody else? Very good. We thought we'd go with a more personal approach this week rather than have you just sit down on something, have it go crunch, and then wonder if it's spilled. So uh, we'll go back to that next time. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And if you open the top part of this, it's very simple, just a simple covering. Oh, there it goes. So for Jesus, we could have brought in a sandwich. Jesus was sitting down. They thought it was the Passover from the Old Testament where the angel of death passed over God's people and beat up the bullies. They thought it was the Passover celebration. God did that. And they wanted to remember that God did that. And then Jesus hijacked it. And Jesus said, in a sacrifice system, we still live in a sacrifice system, but it's different. If you want to have a retirement plan, you can't spend it all now. You want to have some margin in your budget, you can't spend more than you make. We live in a sacrifice system, we understand. Do you want to trade a little bit of today for tomorrow? Or do you want to trade tomorrow for today? Going to sacrifice one of them. Eat whatever you want today in our Western culture diet. You're going to sacrifice some health in the future. You want to sacrifice a little bit today, eat more moderately, drink more moderately, sacrifice a little bit now. You know, I won't have that ninth beer. I don't know what the sacrifice would be. That seems high, doesn't it? Seems like by nine beers you couldn't be making decisions. But you know the point I'm trying to make. You sacrifice a little something now for the future. You, you sacrifice the future for now. We understand the sacrifice system. So in their sacrifice system, they were an agricultural society and they understood death. If you didn't kill the thing, you didn't eat it. It's not how it works for us. We DoorDash, they don't show up. I would uh, like a hamburger. You know, ring the doorbell and you hear, and then they go to work on the thing. <laughs> That'd be a weird DoorDash experience, wouldn't it? The neighbor downstairs got a bunch of dripping blood. It was a different place for them. Their sacrifice system. And Jesus took Passover in the sacrifice system, and he said, let's sacrifice. But instead of a lamb showing you that sin is real and death is real, we're going to do me. This is me. This bread is my body, and in a couple hours, it's going to be sacrificed for you. If you want the relationship with the God of the universe, this is the system. He gave up everything for us. Eat it. Then Jesus took the booze. The aqueducts in their part of the world weren't that great. Wine was pretty popular. So Jesus took the table wine. Well, they weren't driving afterwards, so we are. So we do the grape juice. Good vintage bouquet. And the reason we take the grape juice is Jesus said in a culture where they would slaughter the animal, see the blood spilled, see it was dead, and realize the weight of sin, Jesus said, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's going to be me. And my blood is going to be spilled. And for three days, it's going to feel like everything failed. And on the third day, the tomb's going to be empty. Death has lost its victory. Do we still miss the good ones that died? Yes. But you know what? There's a few that we don't miss. Can I get an amen? Death has its upsides. The day where we get to be restored Death isn't 
the finale that it used to be if we will take Jesus at his word of who he was, who he is, what he did. Jesus said, this is my blood sacrificed for you. Drink all of it. Let's get prayed up one more time, sing a final song, and then uh, as we're talking about friendship, we want to tell you about some opportunities to connect. James will come up with that, but let's get, get prayed up. Heavenly Father, oh, there's that person, there's that situation where we don't even want to forgive. We want it to have not happened. We want the other person, we want to talk about sacrifice. We want to sacrifice them, but that's not the option you've given us. Would you give us the profound understanding that you have forgiven us? We have a part to play in this world as a result. We get to live up to who you created us to be. We're not earning heaven. We're enjoying the fact that that's what's coming. But in the meantime, would you give us the courage to be your child in this world? If there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, the ABC approach to a relationship with you, A, is to admit we're sinners. We needed forgiving. B is to believe Jesus is the one who forgives and makes us worthy of heaven. All the best of heaven. And C is to choose to be your child in this world. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Everybody said.
team. All right, everyone. My name is James. I am the uh, ministry coordinator here. Well done. Uh, we're going to go through our items. We've got a couple good weeks coming up here. So first off today, 15 minutes after service ends, we are going to have the inductive Bible study in the conference center in the back. Uh, David Bergeron is leading this one. Where are we at this time? We'll figure it out. Jesus and Nicodemus. Good story. Uh, next, we have the Women's Bible Study. This is the Women's Week uh, this Tuesday at the Foreman House. Sign-up is in the atrium out there. Um, we also have an off-cycle men's group getting together for some dinner this week. Uh, this is Mamas at Oracle and McGee next to the Walmart and Played Against Sports. Stop by for uh, pizza, have a fun discussion with the men. Um, next, we have the Women's Book Club with a... Oh, sorry, have I been quiet this whole time? with these screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. This is a good one. Uh, recently just started this one, really eye-opening uh, context here. So I'd invite all the women to get together and um, get started on this one. The meeting will be October 4th at 9.30 here at the church. We have marriage night coming up on October 6th at 5 p.m. Sign up is also in the atrium for this one. Uh, next, on each one of the tables, we have the connection card. If you have any requests for us, especially as it comes to prayer, if you want to get involved, if you want more information on these events, this is a great place to start. Um, as we are moving through this life, we are called to make a difference for others around us. One of those ways is to give to the church. Um, we offer many ways to do this, especially online. You can set up recurring if you'd like. Let us know if you have any questions about that, but we invite you to do so. Lastly, before we split off here for Sandwich Sunday, um, Ted mentioned last week that we have partnered with Gabe, who is our Christian counselor. We find this to be a great first step in the, uh, the process of admitting confession, repentance, those kind of things. If you have something weighing heavy on your heart and you don't have that person in your life just yet, that um, could be your first set of ears to speak about that with. This is a great place to start. We invite you, if you feel that weight, to reach out to us and we can make that connection for you. 
All right, so we've got sandwiches out there. Go out in the hallway here, make a left. Uh, speak to someone that you haven't met yet. Say hello, and uh, let's take this, what we've talked about today, with us this week. Thank you so much for being here. Have a good one.